Well, welcome this morning. We're glad you're back with us, um, hopefully either in your living room or a living room of a host home. Uh, we said last week that we're going to be in a couple different uh, topics over the time that we're in our house churches as we are entering back into this phase one. And so last week we talked about when plans change, they can expose our hearts. Uh, and we said that our hearts can be the places where a lot of our needs are exposed. And we gave you this little chart last week. It's this four temperaments. And uh, a lot of people were commenting on this, that this was really helpful for them. So I want to bring it up again. But our hearts can kind of find uh, some needs that, that emerge out of them all the time. Uh, so for me, I, to give you an example, I kind of lean a little bit more towards this yellow and red mix. And so my heart needs are often a sense of control. Uh, they can go into appreciation. Uh, there are times where my heart really wants attention and it really wants approval. And so I can kind of find my heart kind of dancing in between these predominantly. And so I don't know where you landed in that, but the reality is that during this time of change that our hearts can get exposed. And one of the things that gets exposed is our needs that, that we have in them. And the other thing that I think it can get exposed in our hearts during this time is our motives. Not only our motives, why we do what we do, but our feelings as well can kind of get exposed in this. And, and sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, but I know I'm doing what God has asked me to do, but I'm not quite sure if my motives are correct. Like, I know I'm doing what God's asked me to do, but sometimes I'm not sure if I'm doing it because people like it, and there's that motivation of acceptance and approval, or if I'm doing it because God likes it and because God's just commanded it, right? And so my motives can kind of be all over the place, and my feelings can be all over the place. And so I don't know if you're like me, but I think you are. I, see if you can relate to this. So, um, have you ever found yourself, um, you, you wake up in the morning and you're just grumpy, you're in a bad mood, you're angry, and, and, and you find that that feeling not only doesn't go away after the first hour of your day, it sticks with you throughout the day. And it doesn't matter how good your kids are or how your coworkers are or your family and friends are or the weather is. I mean, it could be gorgeous outside, but you just have a really bad day. You're just grumpy all day and you can't fix it. And we just wake up that way. Or you may find that there are some days where you wake up and it's just a great day. You're up before the alarm goes off. You're, you're ready to hit the day. The things are going to be awesome. It doesn't, again, matter about weather or coworkers or what happens in your day. You just had a really good day. You're like, man, I just nailed it. I didn't need my, my Starbucks white lightning of six espresso shots and 10 pumps of white mocha. I, I, just, I was able to just have a really amazing day, right? And they're just all over the place. And these days happen all the time. We wake up this way, we wake up that way. And if you're like me, then I'll, I'll try and do the math and be like, okay, so this has got to be a behavior thing. I could reproduce this thing. And so I'm going to trace my steps. What time did I go to bed? What did I eat? Who did I avoid? Who did I talk to? And I can start to kind of try and reproduce the day. But here's the thing I know and you know. <laughs> no matter how hard we reproduce the day, we can't ever have that day back, right? Which just goes back to the original statement, man, our hearts are just weird, right? Our emotions and feelings and motives are all over the place. My heart is a weird place. And yet the Bible says that out of it, out of my heart, overflows my words and ultimately even my behaviors. I believe that our motives, feelings, hearts being weird and all over the place are never more of an issue than what we're going to be talking about this morning. This is never more true than in our prayer lives. Sometimes I know I'm doing what God's asked me to do, prayer, but I'm not sure if I'm doing it because people like it when I pray 
or because God likes it when I pray, or because God just commanded that I'm supposed to pray. And here's what I'm finding. When my motives are wrong, my prayers are aimless. My prayers can be sporadic. My prayers are often too small. And my prayers are solution-based and not mission-based. And so this morning, I want to challenge you with what God is challenging me. And over these next two weeks, here's my goal for us this morning. I want us to have a prayer life that is obedient and is focused. And we're going to talk predominantly this morning about the first part of this, to have a prayer life that is obedient. When I looked at this passage, there's just too much to cover of obedience and to be focused. So we're just going to, we're just going to highlight obedience this morning. And so I want to talk to you about what does it mean to have a prayer life that is obedient. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9 over the next two weeks. And so let me just read what we're going to be diving into together. Philippians 4, verses 4 to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, he says, If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This morning, let's jump in. And again, we're looking at our prayer life that is obedient and focused. And I want to start here in verses 4 and 5. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Reasonableness. If you want to see a prayer life that is working, it will be people who have this characteristic of reasonableness. It's this steadiness, consistency under pressure. It's this ability to not be high or low, but just calm through the hardest of things. And there's a reasonableness in their walk with Christ. He says in verses 6 and 7, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're going to spend the rest of the morning here in this passage. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. He says, let your requests be made known to God. In other words, he's saying, don't be anxious, pray. And this is probably a really familiar verse to many of us. We probably have this memorized. Some of you may even have this tattooed somewhere or as a decoration in your house somewhere. Uh, To me, it's actually on the bottom of a water bottle that I took to Canada. And and this verse has meant a lot over the years to me. But this morning, it's this reminder that we are to pray, that God has commanded us to pray and to take our requests and make it known to Him, which is great. But, but here's the here's reality. It, we, ought, we live in a culture that throws two different lenses over this command to pray. And I want to give you these two lenses that I think culture can throw over top of this prayer idea. 
The first lens or the first thing that culture says is we should not have to suffer long. (laughs) Whatever we need fixed should come without pain and should take as less time and discomfort as possible. Culture says we shouldn't have to do anything hard. We should be able to just get the, the, the things done that we need to get done in a quick time, and there really shouldn't be a need for much endurance because everything should just be immediate. Um, th- this is also true not only in culture, but this is true even in our household. There, there are uh, members of my family, I won't name names because that would be mean, but uh, there are members in our family that, that often feel like things should just come natural and easy, and I shouldn't have to learn to do these things. I should be able to, to hear it. It should go into my brain. I should understand it. I should just be able to do it. And when they're not able to do it after one or two tries, they get kind of frustrated because it's not that they don't like to learn. It's just that they feel like things should just become easy and they should be not, not comfort easy, but just I should be able to learn easier. And if it takes longer than that, then they get frustrated. It's the same thing um, if, if you were to ever to aspire to this. I don't know uh, many of us that maybe are, but uh, it would be the same thing if we want to be um, a golf uh, if we want to play golf like uh, Dustin Johnson or a Kelly Corda by going to the driving range once a year, if I were to say that's the solution to play like a pro, you'd be kind of like, that's crazy. That's not going to happen. If you want to cook like Bobby Flay or Kat Cora while making mac and cheese as a staple of dinner every night, you realize it's not going to happen. Prayer is, is a lot like that. Prayer is a journey that starts with obedience but prayer, but prayer is also the thing that takes a long time to, to learn how to be really, really good at it. But prayer, although it is a journey, I truly believe starts with obedience. And so the first thing we understand is that culture makes it seem like it's fast, it's quick, shouldn't be a problem. The other lens that culture throws over top of this verse we looked at is that culture also does not want us in uh, does not help us in prayer because we live in a culture that, and to put it in the words of um, Darren Patrick, he says, we live in a culture that focuses on the experiences we want to have rather than the people we need to become. So if the first lens is that it should be quick, it should be easy, the second lens that culture throws over prayer and over that passage would be that these experiences, we, we should have these great, powerful experiences rather than seeing it as a discipline that we as people need to become something. Let me explain that. We, we especially see this in the men of our culture uh, of experienced chasers. We also see it in the generation in their 20s and 30s that are experienced chasers. There's something about being in the moment, having the experiences. I don't want to miss out on anything. I want to have as many experiences as possible. And while experience is not a bad thing, it can turn prayer into a disappointing effort if we don't get those amazing experiences every time we pray. If we don't have these amazing heaven-opening kind of moments in our prayers every time we pray, we can almost wonder, is it working? And and it's a great reminder that our culture is not accurate when it tells us that we we are to focus on the experiences rather than on the people we are becoming. The Bible is clear, and prayer is part of this, that we are to focus on the people we need to become and not focus on the experience. And here's the reality that we see here even in the Scripture. He says, in everything— 
by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. He says, everything should bring us to prayer. Even when there are days, months, maybe even a year when your prayers are dry and seemingly ineffective, it wasn't for naught. It, it, was, it was producing something in you. Because if Paul is commanding us and God is commanding us to pray in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, then it's producing something in us even if the experience we find may be lacking. He says, in everything. That means everything needs prayer. It's the same thing when he talks later about praying without ceasing. And he says, this prayer and supplication is important for us. So let me kind of highlight a couple words here in this passage. He says, prayer and supplication. It's a phrase used by Paul specifically. He likes it a lot. And it's this combination of these two terms in Greek, prayer and supplication. And when you put them together, the best way to explain this is an oratory or vocal praise to God, asking for our personal and corporate needs from God. So in other words, it's got to be an oratory praise to God. It's, a, it's some kind of response to God vocally for who he is, and it's asking for our personal and corporate needs from him. Prayer and supplication. And then he says, not only prayer and supplication, but he says, with thanksgiving we are to do this. This word thanksgiving is interesting. It's, it's actually the word in Greek from where we get the Eucharist. If you're from the Catholic Church or grew up in Catholic, you know the Eucharist is another word for the Lord's Supper. And so it's the idea of a meal, not only a meal, but the most important meal to us in Christianity of the Lord's Supper. So imagine that he's saying that in everything, I want you to make your request known to God, but I want you to do it in a manner of a meal and a closeness and a relationship of the Lord's Supper with God as you're asking for these things. To put it another way, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18 says it like this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. He doesn't get much simpler than that, right? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Our prayers are a command by God, and they are a command that he, he means for us to follow. And so the first thing we know about prayer, and really what I want to focus the rest of our energy on, is this idea that prayer begins with obedience. We know this, but what stops us often from doing it are a few things, right? Like we can know it's a command of God to pray, but oftentimes there are a few things that get in the way. And maybe you've said these or heard these. I've tried it and it didn't work, right? I tried it and the answer to, to my prayer didn't come. My family members still got sick. My job didn't come through. We weren't able to move to the place I wanted to. My kids are still rebels and I don't have a relationship with them. I've prayed for my, my friend's salvation and it, never, and it didn't happen. And so you, you can think of all the things you've prayed and you've just expected that if, if I've tried it, it should work. And by that, I mean, we often have the unfortunate misrepresentation that God is kind of like this genie that we kind of rub the bottle and the answer is always yes right? And that's not how the Bible gives us this, this idea of prayer. And the other thing I heard is, you know, and I've said is, I would love to pray, but I'm just way too busy right now. Um, another thing, maybe I'm too tired. Uh, another thing is, I, I don't know what to say, right? And these are all things we've, we've probably said or heard when it comes to prayer. But here's the thing. 
They're all just excuses that we all use not to pray. We don't just use them in prayer, by the way. I mean, we use them in life in general. I mean, you've heard it probably these same sayings when, you know, people talk about working out. I tried working out. I just didn't like it. It didn't work. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I don't know how, right? But when it comes to prayer, God says, I understand those may be excuses or reasons, but it doesn't stop us from hearing from God that it is an obedience factor that he's asking us to be obedient to him and to pray. As disciples of Jesus Christ, obedience is key. And one of the things he's called us to be obedient in is prayer. Let me give you a couple leadership truths that I think apply to leadership, but also apply to this idea of being obedient in prayer. If you find yourself saying, I've tried, it didn't work. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I don't know what to say. Let me just encourage you a little bit. Maybe not even, maybe encourage is the the wrong word. Uh, This may be a little more painful (laughs) uh, than than encouragement. So just just take it for what it's worth. But here's here's a leadership truth that I think apply to the prayer life. Tim Kite, a leadership coach of Ohio State, says this, accomplishing anything of significance doesn't happen because we try really hard but because we train really well. Let me say that again. Accomplishing anything of significance doesn't happen because we try really hard, but because we train really well. Prayer isn't going to happen just because you want to try and pray. It's because you train yourself to be able to pray well in obedience. He says in another um, quote, he says, you build anything in life, anything you want to build in life, and prayer specifically as well, you want to build anything in life, it comes through slow, small, daily steps. You talk about all the great athletes, you talk about all the great leaders, the thing that they develop, it doesn't happen overnight. They're not just instantaneously great players. They're not just instantaneous great leaders. People who pray and have an amazing prayer life are not just instantaneously just really good at praying. It comes through slow, small, daily steps of obedience. John Wooden would say it like this, there is no magic, just mechanics. To put it a little harsher, To talk about growing in obedience, Peter Druckner says it like this, good intentions are no excuse for incompetence. (laughs) We assume that prayer is all about the right technique, the next formula, the right steps, but in reality, I guarantee you the reality is prayer is about obedience. It's about the slow, small, daily steps. And I wish there was another solution for you this morning. I wish I could come to you and say, yeah, it's just going to be easy. It's going to be great to get into, into prayer. But if we're going to truly dive into this for the next two weeks, this, this week in particular, you have to understand there's no amazing, like, just quick fix ways to pray. It's just the small daily routines to say, you know what? If I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, he's asked me to pray that I will be obedient and I will pray. Even if I don't know how, even if it's awkward, I'm going to pray because I know that as I pray, certain things are true. And so let me give you a few quick tips of obedience in prayer. Number one, if you're going to be obedient in prayer, there will probably be a thing that we must stop doing in order to pray. We can't just keep adding and adding and adding and adding and adding to our schedules. You know that. I know that. But we often do it. If you're going to be obedient in prayer, there will probably be something that you have to stop doing in order to make room for prayer. And I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it's you work less. Maybe it's you get up earlier. 
So you have to, you have to stop sleeping in. You have to stop um, binge watching certain things on TV because I need time in prayer. You, you may need to stop doing something in order to make time for prayer instead of just adding it on to your regular schedule. Obedience is what he is calling us to. And there may require us stopping something. The other thing about prayer, which is really a unique thing to be teaching on prayer, is, is the simple fact that in prayer, here's, here's your big miraculous truth. You ready for it? Your biggest secret to prayer? Just got to do it. <laughs> I mean, there, there's no like, oh, oh I thought it was going to be bigger than that. No. And most of us, we, 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 just, we, we want the right way to pray. We want to anticipate the way to pray. And we, we get the right routines. We get the right times. We get our, everything set and ready. And then we're going to have our time of prayer. Most of us just need to hear this. As an obedient disciple of Jesus Christ, you just need to do it. You just need to make time to pray. This is what God's been telling me over the last couple months. He's been really pushing this into my head. Don't worry about how and when. Just, just do it. Just pray. Just find time for you and I to talk. And here's the other thing I would encourage you. This is tip number three when it comes to obedience and prayer. Number three, start where you are, right? I don't really know how to pray. I've not really been good at prayer. Start where you are. Our, our girls were in a uh, soccer camp this winter. And uh, I love this camp because instead of teaching all of these crazy techniques and great moves and offense and defense. Here, here's what he said, and I can't say it the way he said it because he had a great accent. I don't have a great accent. But he said, you guys are growing. Your bodies are going to be uncoordinated because you're growing, and you'll only be able to do what you can do as your body learns to get more coordinated. And so 90% of the camp was coordination drills. And if you were to hear that or just, you know, somebody says that's what we're going to do all, all 90% of the camp— You'd be like, is this really worth our money? We're just doing coordination stuff? But here's the reality. He knew the truth that we know about prayer. You have to start where you are, not where you want to be. Start with where you are. And a lot of the soccer stuff, the coordination wasn't there. So he could teach all these techniques. That'd be great. But they weren't going to be able to get the techniques down because their body wasn't coordinated enough to do it at their ages. As they get older, their coordination improves and they could do the different techniques. The same is true in our prayer lives. The same is true for us. We, we have to say, okay, where have I come from? Have I had anybody model prayer to me? Have I had, have I had anybody teach me the, you know, the times and the how to pray? And have I ever done this before? And if the answer is no, that's okay. Don't wait for the right things. Just, just start where you are. And just be honest. God, I don't know how to, here, you could, your prayer could look at this. God, I don't know how to pray, but I'm going to talk to you. I think, right? And it can be as simple as that. God, I don't know how to pray, but, but I've been told that as a disciple, I'm supposed to be obedient in it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to this verse in Philippians 4, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to basically say, I'm, I'm anxious about these things. I'm worried about these things. God, I'm worried about these things. I don't know how this works and how this comes through, but I'm worried about these things. And if you could help, that would be great. Others of you, you've been a Christian for years, and your prayer life stinks, and so maybe for you, you've got to really dig back down and say, okay, wow, how have I avoided prayer for this long? And you need to get serious about it and get back into the Word of God and start working through Psalms or working through Scripture and start praying that way, right? But start where you are, not where you think you should be. 
Do it. Start where you are. Even if it's hard, even if it's embarrassing, even if it's awkward, start where you are. And lastly, do it until it engages the affections. This is a quote from Tim Keller. He says, in prayer, we should do it relentlessly until it engages our affections. He says this, in the beginning, the feeling of poverty and absence usually dominates, but the best guides for this phase urge us not to turn back, but rather to endure and pray in a disciplined way until we get through duty to delight. He says, if it feels awkward to pray, if it feels bumpy, welcome. It probably will. The same is true with the soccer camp, right? If the coordination wasn't there, the girls and the guys that were part of that camp, they were embarrassed. It was awkward. It was bumpy. They couldn't quite do the things right, and everybody's kind of laughing at each other, and man, I wish I could do it, and I can, and it was awkward. The same is true in prayer. It can be bumpy. It, it can be awkward, especially if you're trying to pray out loud in a group. But ultimately, the challenge is that we do it until our affections are engaged in our prayers. And that could take time. I love it. He says, In the beginning, the feeling of poverty and absence usually dominate, but the best guides for this phase urge us not to turn back, but rather to endure and pray in a disciplined way until we get through duty to delight. So sometimes our prayer lives are just going to be about obedience, and that's okay. If we keep after it, it will eventually turn into delight. But don't run away from it just because it's hard and awkward. Start somewhere. Prayer is hard before it gets easy. Prayer is awkward till it becomes natural. It is a discipline before it becomes a delight. This morning, some of you are a pro-level prayers, <laughs> to put it in that way. And maybe for you, you just need more wisdom in how to engage with God. But others of you, maybe this is the first for you and you never prayed or it's hard for you to pray out loud. And maybe you just need to start where you are. My hope, my prayer is that all of you will excel, that all of you can be significant people of prayer. But it starts with obedience. Next week, we're going to talk about focus in prayer. But for this week, I'm going to ask you to exercise a muscle that maybe you've not worked in a while. I'm going to ask you to pray as we close this morning. And as we close, I know there's going to be some pushback. I don't know how to pray. I don't really pray out loud. And that's okay. I got you. Uh, here's what we want to do to close. Even if, the, even if you're not prayed out loud and if you're not comfortable, I would encourage you as a group to do this. Our ladies' growth study were challenged this week to pray every day out of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 to 23. Um, and I want to read this real quick for you, because this is where I think we can end this morning in prayer. I want us to take three minutes, and I want us to pray, and I want you to read Ephesians 1, 16 to 23. I want you to read it for yourselves, and then I want you to start praying those things to God. So as a group, you're going to read it together. You're going to spend some time just individually thinking through these things, praying through these things. And here's a couple of things that are going to come out in this passage. One, may God give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation to the knowledge of him. That's part of this. Two, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. He'll ask, you know, that's a prayer that Paul gives you. And also in this prayer, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. And as you read that, and as you pray that for yourself, my, 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 my challenge to you is to let those words sink in. 
and to start praying through those words. What does it mean to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation? What does it mean that my eyes and hearts would be enlightened? What does it mean that there is a hope to which he has called me to? And then I want you to take the rest of the time together and I want you to pray those same things over somebody in your house church or if you're home with, with family, I want you to pray them for your family. If you're by yourself, I want you to pick somebody. I want you to pray those things for whoever that person is. And as we close this morning, here's the thing I know about you, or I know, I know about the scripture, I should say, and that is this. Prayer begins in obedience. Even if we don't know how, the Holy Spirit is with us in helping us and how to pray. And so I don't want to talk any longer. I want to give us opportunity to actually practice this, to become obedient in prayer. And so the rest of the time in your house, church, or by yourself at home, wherever you're at, I would encourage you, go to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 to 23. Read it, pray it for yourself, and then I want you to pray it for someone else. We're just diving into this Week one, obedience. Next week, we're going to talk about how do we focus our prayers because I think that's going to be important as well. But for this week, can I just encourage you, spend some time in prayer for each other as we learn to become more obedient to Christ in our prayer life.